you have your Bibles this morning, turn to the book of Revelation. And we're going to continue. This is the second sermon in the series on heaven. And I just want to remind us all that God is going to reward your faithfulness. And I don't want you to think for a minute that God is not paying attention to your faithfulness. He certainly is. And in fact, I want to begin this morning as you find the book of Revelation, and I'll give you the chapter and verses here in a moment, that what we experience here in this life, with the here and now, and that we see every day, kind of reminds us of what the prophet said when he said this, well, why do the wicked prosper and uh, your people suffer, was the complaint against God. Well, the fact is, is when we all get to heaven, when we all get to heaven, we'll see that it was all worth it. And we will recognize that God has been so extravagant toward us. And I want us to think this morning about what is heaven like. And as we turn to the book of Revelation, chapter 21, and then I'm going to share with you a few verses that I'll read out of chapter 1. But Revelation 21 will be where our main thrust of reading will be today. I want to share with you this verse out of 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9. And I want, I want you to think about it this morning. Because I have been in, in my life, I've been to some rather beautiful places, haven't you? Uh, you may have gone on a vacation or, or whatever it may have been. You may have been to some places that you thought, man, this is a really beautiful place. So if you will, for just a moment, think about the fact that who created this very beauty that we experience today? God, right? So who created Niagara Falls where there was no man by the name of Niagara who created the Niagara Falls? Uh, who created the Grand Canyon? There was no GC uh, that created the Grand Canyon. Uh, who created the Smoky Mountains? There was no SM that created the Smoky Mountains. God created all of those things. Every one of those things that I just spoke about has been tarnished by sin. And therefore, you and I can't really even imagine how beautiful these places would be if they had not been touched by sin. Having said that, if that God, the only God, the one true God, created the things that you and I see, can you imagine what He's created that we are yet to see? That which will not be ever touched by sin. Now that ought to bring a smile to your face. So, Look, we got a lot to look forward to. We got a lot to listen. Folks uh, that are not saved today or that are kind of on the periphery of this thing are, are just really not thinking it through because there is nothing this world has to offer that should in any way cause you to want to sell your soul that is for the temporal. I, I don't know about you, but I'm holding out for the eternal. I'm holding out for what, for what is going to last. This world is sinking and passing away. In fact, sometimes I wonder if maybe this nation itself is passing away. But this world is passing away in all of its form and all of 
and all of that which we see. And yet there is a place that has not been built with our hands that is not passing away. But I want to share with you this verse out of 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9. I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. What have you seen? You seen I just mentioned some amazing things. What have you heard? You've heard some amazing things when you're when you're. I'm I'm looking forward to when the twins uh, first say Papa. You know, I'm not, I don't know that I can make them say that first, but and I would I wouldn't really want to. But uh, having said that, I'm looking forward to hearing that. Right? You imagine uh, how many times we may grow tired of hearing children call our name, especially if we're stressed or frustrated. But you've heard some good things. You've heard someone say, I love you. You've heard someone say, give me a hug. You've heard some good things. So if you have not heard what's coming, which is even better than you can imagine, we got a lot to look forward to. A place that God has prepared for those who love Him. Come on now. Listen. This is good stuff. Listen, I'm not preaching on hell. I mean, this, this is good. What we're talking about here, we're talking about a place that God has prepared for His children. We're talking about a place where sin has not tarnished. We're talking about a place where the Bible says He shall wipe away every tear from their eye. And let me, let me say about that, I don't believe for a moment that means that we're going to be crying in heaven and God's going to wipe away our tears. I believe that's just a metaphor for there's not going to be any crying in heaven. What in the world would we have to cry about? There'll be no more death. There'll be no more hunger. You know, I'm worried about our children that are not going to school and that a parent or parents are working and that they're going to have to look out for their siblings and in some cases they're going to be hungry. I'm concerned about that. There are kids that are, that are latchkey kids or they're taking care of themselves and there's really no adult in the house and, and now they're not going to have the educational opportunity that many of, of you and I had. I'm worried about those things. And yet I look forward to heaven because I know in heaven there are not going to be any more children that are going to go through what children are going through right now. Or any of us are going through what we're going through right now. So I want to pick up in, uh, in uh, Revelation chapter 1, but uh, you don't have to be there. Don't worry about it because I'm, I'm coming to you. I'll, I'll be there where you are in just a moment. Revelation chapter 1 and uh, picking up in verse 12, we have the description of God in heaven, if you will. Now this is metaphor. I, I don't think it's to be taken literally. I think, it, I think each one of these characteristics symbolize something about God. And this is what John, as you know, who, 
who's been exiled on the island of Patmos. Who, this is what John is seeing under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. The characteristics, if you will, of God Himself. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. Now let me just say something about gold and silver and all of these precious stones that we see uh, in the book of Revelation as they describe heaven. Uh, that's not the star of heaven. We know who the star of heaven is. That's God. But that is just almost insignificant but simply reflective of the beauty of God. Now diamonds, uh, they say are forever and they even say are a girl's best friend. Uh, but having said that, diamonds are beautiful, are beautiful. And uh, I, remember, I remember seeing some diamond rings over the years that, that uh, were extraordinary. And yet we see these kinds of things in heaven. So we see among the seven lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe, with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white like white wool, like snow. The ancient of days, if you will. The wisdom of God. Uh, the beauty of the Lord. His eyes were like a flame of fire piercing to the soul. You believe me, God knows us. And that God is able to see beyond the facade. You know what a facade is, right? God is able to see past the porch, if you will, into the hearts of men. And his feet were like burnished bronze, weightiness or solidity or, or um, authority, refined in a furnace. That is, all of the impurities have been burned away. And his voice was like the roar of many waters, I really have no idea exactly the way that sounds, but I, but I have been where water was roaring and it was, it, was, it was very powerful, if you will. In his right hand he held seven stars and from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. How many of you can look at the sun when it's... When it's clear, there are no clouds and you can stare at it. You might gaze at it for just a second and then you have to turn away, right? When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive evermore and I have the keys of death and Hades. And write therefore the things that you are about to see that are about to take place or literally that you have seen. Now, one of the things, there are several things here, but one of the things that catches my attention is this, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be fearful. If you follow that thread throughout the New Testament, John 14 is a good place to settle for just a moment where it says, let not your heart be troubled. Probably everybody in this room is afraid of something. There are some things we probably ought to be afraid of. 
but probably everybody in this room is afraid of something. There, there's some subtlety underneath ourselves that we think about the future or we think about our kids' future or we think about the nation or we think about the church or we think about something uh, and uh, we find some fear in that. Now you need to know that we're heading to a dangerous place in our nation. Just recently, churches in California were told, were told not to chant or to sing. Now we've done away with chanting here. I don't know if you noticed that. We're, we've, we've, uh, did you see that in the announcements this morning? No chanting here. And as best I could tell, unless we had one of the twins chanting, we did okay today. The boy has been known to chant during my sermons. No chanting and no singing. And seriously, that church that was able to, to uh, take this to court thus far has prevailed. But will they prevail? Time will tell. But having said that, God enters the scene where there's tremendous fear in our world today, whether it's COVID-19 or whether it's churches fearing that the government is overstepping and it has already overstepped its authority or whether it may be some circumstances in your own life, God enters that and he says, what? Don't be afraid. Now, John had every reason to be fearful because even though he was being led by the Holy Spirit, he was being led to a place he had never been to see things he had never seen. And that in and of itself causes us to fear. Uh, some of our kids have gone back to school. In some cases, the schools are not meeting. And I guess it's virtual schools. That, that, that creates a lot of fear in me. Uh, you know, no structure. Uh, no particular accountability. There may be some, but not a lot. Uh, and I, I am concerned about that. But God enters the scene and he says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. That's such a good word. Such a good word. Whenever, whenever I'm fearful about something. Amen. You're fearful sometimes. I hear God say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. My son, he calls, calls you his son or his daughter. Don't be afraid. And so the beauty of heaven is the pure radiance of the Lord Jesus himself who says, don't be afraid. Now go ahead and go over to Revelation. If you, if you haven't, I told you not to go to that, this one, but I didn't expect any of you paying attention to me. So go over to Revelation chapter 21 and now, and we're going to get there, we're going to get there in just a moment. The, the beauty of heaven is not the streets of gold or the gates of pearl. It is the Lord Jesus himself. Listen, listen. I, I want to tell you something. I, I can tell you probably how you can know whether you're saved or not. Outside of 1 John, which gives us a lot of particular examples of what it is to be a Christian, to love the brethren, not to deny the deity of Christ. That's the Antichrist. Beside, beside all those things, I can give you something this morning. Do you want to see Jesus? Amen. No preacher 
put that in you. You know, I, I love people that think I'm a good preacher, and I appreciate all three of them. And I also recognize there are people who think that if I could get this just right, they join the going to heaven bus. It ain't going to happen. It's not up to me. Listen, when I say, do you want to see Jesus, either you do or you don't. When I say, do you want to see Jesus, that stirs something in your heart or it doesn't. And I can't change that a bit. I can't change it a bit. And so the star of heaven is not the temporal things that we think of and they'll be eternal in the sense of they won't end. All of these beautiful stones and all of these things, the star of heaven is the Lord Jesus himself. On the throne is not diamonds and emeralds. On the throne is God. On the throne is the Ancient of Days and His Son, the Lord Jesus, who has redeemed from every tribe and every kindred a bride unto Himself. The star of heaven is Jesus. Amen. Now this can't compare at all, but I've been to some of the judgment houses over the years, uh, some of the churches have done a good job. East Union, I'll give them a plug. There have been other churches as well that have done really good jobs uh, with this judgment house. And the last one that we went to, after we had gone through all of the things, after we'd gone through all the things, they'd taken the sanctuary and they had, they had uh, hung white uh, sheets and different things around it and they... They, they tried to illustrate to some degree the heaven. And as we approached that scene there, was it the angels that were the star of heaven? No. No. Was it, was it the, the beauty of the white? No, that wasn't it. It was Jesus. If you don't want to see Jesus, you ain't going to heaven. And I told you last week, and I'm trying to bring this back a little bit as uh, for folks that weren't able to catch last week, that everybody who thinks they're going to heaven is not going. We're told in Scripture that heaven is a safe place. That heaven is a safe place. You know, it talks about having a gate. It talks about having a wall as the heaven is described coming down out of heaven, if you will, the new Jerusalem. And it talks about having a gate and a wall. And that is, that is descriptive of being a safe place. Absent of all the mess in this world. We are told that those who are going to heaven have their names written in the Lamb's book of life. 
Look at chapter 20. Now, hopefully, the chapter 20 is, is right there for you and going into chapter 21. It says in chapter 20, in verse 15, And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Recently, I sent out a picture that was sent to me of my graduation. It was kind of fun. I actually sent it out to a few folks in the church. It had picture. It had that picture had my hair, which I really thought was cool. And then also, I didn't even realize it, but I was right in the center of the picture. It was almost like it was a picture of me and the rest of the folks. That, and you know, when you look back at your life, you think there was never an event like that, but that's the way it looked. And it looked like my head was huge. It just kind of, it just kind of made me laugh as I thought about it. Well, the Bible says that this picture, this book, that your name must be written in it. And there's another place where it says that I will not blot you out. And there's been a lot of speculation about that over the years. And that is, as a person put in there from the very beginning, you see, and then at the point of rejection, that salvation will not occur because God will know whoever body will be saved. Their name is blotted out of that book of life. How about that? Yeah. Just like I wanted to have my picture taken to be a part of the graduating class of Sykeston in 1977. Because we, after all, are the class that's going to heaven. We're the class of 77. <laughs> the reality is, is if your name is not written in the book of life, you could go to Sykesman and graduate in 77, but you're not going to heaven. Because heaven is a place that's only prepared for the saved. The scripture says, He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son hath not life. My name is either written in the book of life by Jesus Christ and His precious blood, or my name is not in the book of life and there's nothing I can do to get it in there except for bowing my knee before God, repenting of my sin, and receiving Christ as my Savior today. is a safe place where our names are written in the book of life and no one can take them out of that book of life once they're put in there. And the beauty of heaven is described and is contrasted with hell. In verse 14 of chapter 20, it says, Death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. It speaks of this place called hell. It's a real place. If heaven is real, I believe... I believe hell is real too. Amen. Heaven is not, and I think sometimes people hear us when we talk about heaven as it's kind of like this utopian place that probably doesn't exist, that is more myth than reality, that has been created by some fanciful thinking. Let me, let me just suggest to you this. 
If you read the Old Testament, they had a rather vague or, sh or shielded or shadow view of life after life. And, and I would challenge you to, to do that. Just do a study. Look for heaven in the Old Testament. And here's basically what you will find. You can read the Psalms that David wrote. And, and uh, you can even read at the death of his son where he says, I can go to him, but he can't come to me. And you can read that. And then you can read some other, other passages as well. But what you will see in the Old Testament is really no particular notion of this place called heaven. Now John and others would have been taught by the rabbis and they would have also understood this rather vaguely. In fact, there were some groups who didn't even believe in a resurrection. They believed that this life is all there is. The Sadducees were a name of one group that did not believe in the resurrection. And some people said, you know, well, that's why they were sad, you see. You're welcome, brother. And there were very few who had any real notion of anything beyond this life. Now, Mary and Martha, we believe that my brother will rise again on the last day. So there is some of that in the New Testament, but in the Old Testament, it's just kind of really a veiled or a shadowy notion of Something beyond this life we think there is, but we don't really know. Now, if you talk to a rabbi today uh, that is still, uh, is still a part of orthodoxy or, or the rabbinical tradition, if you talk to him about the afterlife, he'll go, ah, ah, ah. Like one rabbi told me, I think I, my atoms have taken up enough space and time in this one. I don't expect anything more than Blah, 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 blah. Right? So what? So I don't care what the rabbi said. I don't care about the shadows and the vagaries of the Old Testament. Here's what I see. I see John, who would have been taught by this, now saying there is a place called heaven. I have been there and I'm telling you about it. I trust him. And so here it is in chapter 21. We're going to talk about the dimensions of heaven. We're going to talk about the description of heaven. It's characterized as a bride adorned for her husband. And don't take this wrong. I take it so... No, I better not. I'm going to get in trouble. All brides are beautiful. That was the best way to say it. Y'all could see I was about to dig me a really deep hole and fall into it. But I didn't. I'm getting better. Now I want to go back and dig the hole again. But look, brides are beautiful. I have stood up here so many times. Now I've got to be, keep it good here again. And I'd see somebody and I'd it's beautiful. Beautiful. And so here comes the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. The old Jerusalem is a mess. <laughs> the old, listen, listen, the old Jerusalem is a mess. 
I mean, it is a mess. You should go see it if you ever get the chance to go see. Maybe you can only see it through my eyes and uh, as imperfect as those, those are. Hopefully, I've been some help to you. But the old Jerusalem is a mess. Have I said that? Yes. I mean, it's got people who don't know the Lord. It's got folks there for all kinds of different reasons. There's commerce going on there and without a real recognition of the Lord. The churches that are there are Catholic churches for most part, and they believe that you're saved by merit, meriting grace. And we are saved by meriting grace, whose grace has paid the price. Jesus, He merited it for us because we couldn't, and so we don't have to. But this new Jerusalem coming down as a, out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband, I think is to be understood as a description of heaven. Behold, the dwelling place, verse 3, chapter 21, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. Now, how do we know we're going to be different? Because God's going to be with us. <laughs> now, I'm not talking about Emmanuel, God with us. I'm talking about with us. With us. With us. Just like this gentleman over here. I use that term, term rather loosely. This gentleman over here is with us. God is with us. He wants to be with his people in a way he is not with them today. That's scripture. Now the Holy Spirit is with us. It was profitable that Jesus left. He would send the Holy Spirit the comforter. But he wants to be with his people in a way that he is not with them today. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with them. Behold, the dwelling place is God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. Amen. That shouldn't surprise you. That shouldn't surprise you. That shouldn't surprise you at all. When Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you, what did he say? I will never see you again or I'm sorry, I'm sorry that things have gone this way or... Or uh, I need to get another plan together. Or he didn't know. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you so that where I am, there you may be also. We won't be separated by distance. We won't be separated by time. And we won't be separated by sin. For the former things shall be done away with. And we shall see him as he is. Now how many of you when I said do you want to see Jesus. Thought about sin in your life. Amen. Uh, maybe I ought to see him like I am. You remember any examples of that? Adam and Eve. God himself will be with them 
And here it is. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Now, one of my favorite professors, and I, I digress here, took his glasses off one time. I won't do that. It might reveal what's underneath them. One of my favorite professors took his glasses off, put them in his mouth, and he said, how about that? I thought there would be no tears in heaven. Well, he's in heaven now, so he knows there's none. I think he's just messing with us. There's not going to be tears in heaven. No suffering. No suffering. Neither shall they be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Done away. You can make friends in heaven, and that'll be your friend for life. There'll be no phone ringing. There'll be nobody calling over and saying, well, you know, I just got to give you some bad information. I went to the doctor, and here's what he said or she said. Don't be any more of that. Gone away. And he who is seated on the throne said, look. I am making all things new. And he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Did you hear that? These things are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. Now the Alpha is the first letter of the Greek alphabet. And the Omega is the last letter of the Greek alphabet. And there's nothing before and there's nothing after. And that's what he's saying. There's nothing before me and there's nothing after me. And when I tell you something, may I say it this way, you can take it to the bank. If I tell you there's heaven, if I tell you I'm coming back to get you, you can take it to the bank. There is heaven. I'm coming back to get you and you will see it. Amen. If you're saved. Uh, let me tell you something. This world, some of you kids at school, your friends, they're going to try to get you to sell your soul out for nothing. They are. I, you, I know I know. it's, I always tell kids, it's really hard to believe that inside this old guy is a kid. You know how long ago I was 13? I got to take my shoes off here by Paul. Um, 48 years ago, right? 48 years ago. You know what? I can tell you stories about when I was 13 just like it was yesterday. I can tell you every place north of Sykeston you could hang out if they hadn't built a house there. I can tell you those stories just like it was yesterday. Right? Some of you who are older, you got it, right? You know, Satan will try to get you to do is sell your soul. So you'll, for a moment, so you'll never see this place called heaven. But there is a place you'll see. You don't want to see it. There's a place described in chapter 20 as death and hell and the second death and the lake of fire. Because listen, we're not ready for God in our present condition. Unless we've been saved and born again, 
we cannot even come into the presence of God. Now, we're Americans. We think we can go anywhere. But listen, you read the Bible, and what was it? You can't go over there. What would happen if you followed Moses up on that mountain? You think Lot's wife had a bad day. And yet he says, Come unto me, all ye who are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Amen. Praise God. This is heaven. This is heaven. Group hug. That's heaven. We love each other. We know this crazy jealousy. Oh, he hugged her more than he does me. You realize how messed up we really are? I ain't got time for that. I ain't got time for that. Oh, Brother Stan recognized this person. He didn't recognize me. We're all messed up. Heaven will do away with all that stuff. People say, well, well, I know my husband or I know my wife. Will I still be married when I get to heaven? I certainly hope not. And that's no reflection upon my wife. I said that on her account. She's certainly hoping not. I just said that to be honest. Because if it's your wife or my husband, you realize the limitations to the reality of us being brothers and sisters in heaven. So much more than that. God is more than that. God is more than that. On being COVID-19, you'll be able to give somebody a hug without them getting scared to death that you violated their airspace? <laughs> Have you noticed how scared people are? People are scared. and Maybe maybe in many cases, rightfully so, but you go up to somebody to hug them today, who would have thought we would have gotten this situation, right? Where you can't go up and hug somebody today without them going, eh. <laughs> I'm not knocking it, I'm just saying it. that's where we're at. And that won't be heaven. Be no CNN or Fox News there. There'll <laughs> be no weather reports there. There'll be no, no stuff. Jesus. Jesus. And he set out to create a perfect world and we entered into it and sin. The world fell. And it's so far from perfect today. It's, it's incredible. Are you looking forward to heaven? I am. I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to it. I think of that joke about that little boy, remember? I didn't know you were getting up a, a bus today. <laughs> I don't know when we're going. I'm ready. I'm excited. I'm excited about it. One more sermon next week, and we're going to talk a little bit more about heaven. We'll talk about its dimensions and um, just the pure joy of it. And uh, I hope you're going. I hope you're going. Uh, you can only go through Jesus. You can only go through Jesus. Cary Grant, and I quote, said today, in a movie I was watching, just a brief snippet of it before I left for church. They were asking him a little bit about heaven. And he said, well, what we do is, is we get up there 
and we tell them all the good deeds we've done, then they open the gates and we walk through them. No. You know, I bet he thought that sounded good. That doesn't sound good at all. You know, if I tell God all the good deeds I've done, that's not going to take long. Really, when I get up there, the decision has already been made. There's nothing to be said. It was said in this life. If you have Jesus, you're going to heaven. If you don't, you need him today as your Savior. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your word this morning. We thank you, Lord, for this place called heaven, a prepared place for those who love you and look forward to your appearing. For those who do not deserve the splendor and glory of heaven, we nonetheless thank you for being so kind to us. In Jesus' name.